0: And that just kind of disturbed me a whole lot. And I think that we need to um, take sin seriously like we take life seriously, um, and even more so. Sin is what took Jesus to the cross. Uh, we don't see how great our God is in his salvation until we understand the ugliness of sin. Sin is disobedience to the moral law of God. Um, it is falling, it is failing to obey God's law. I mean, oh, the sin will destroy your life. You know, um, you think about divorce and the effects of divorce on children. If you look at people who allow drugs, gambling problems, even adultery, to control their lives. And how those sins, and not just that, but those specific sins, how it affects and causes a life to fall apart. If you don't understand sin, you won't appreciate the cross. Um, I think that people think Jesus dying on the cross it's just kind of subconsciously in our minds. And we're like, oh, he died for me. What, what does that mean? Like, he died for me. But when you see that it's every sin, and, and I said this last week, every sin is worth a hell of eternity. Every sin that we commit. You know, some of us committed sin this morning, right? <laughs> uh, um, some of us committed sin last night. <laughs> And, it, and don't always look at sin as sexual sin. I know sometimes we have a tendency to, when we talk about sin, we think about sexual sin. Um, and not necessarily. There's sin of pride. All right? You know, some of us are very prideful. Um, sin of, of um, being anger, expressing your anger, I should say, because the Bible says be, sin- be angry and sin not. And you can express your anger in such a way that it's become sinful. Um, how we treat people. At my job, the other day I was dealing with a customer and they were complaining about $3 a day, you know. And (laughs) I had some sinful thoughts. Um, One lady, one couple came to me and they were complaining about something and, and whatnot and I had an opportunity to be a blessing to them, but I chose not to. You will get the smallest car, and you will enjoy it. <laughs> um, that wasn't, I don't think that was sinful. It's just, you know, when you treat people, it, treat people a certain way, um, you know, if, if people have the power to bless you a little bit more, they don't have to, have to necessarily bless you a little bit more. And I said, you know what, you, you got to be careful how you treat people. You never know, you know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, So we need to understand sin a little bit more so that we can appreciate the cross. The cross is where grace and mercy met. Um, It is where man and God are reconciled. It is a place of forgiveness and salvation. Forgiveness of sin isn't the goal of the believer. Did you hear me? To be forgiven of sin is not the goal of the believer, but it is actually to be with God himself. The reason why sin is sinful is because it separates us from God. And the blood of Jesus draws us near, according to Ephesians chapter 2. We can draw near to God because of that blood. And to be with him for eternity is what life is all about, It's what salvation is about. Salvation is not about being religious, but it's about knowing this God and walking with him and fellowshiping with him. Where Adam and Eve broke fellowship and and fell away from grace, Jesus came to restore that. Amen? So that's what salvation is about. Easter is not about egg, eggs and um, rabbits. <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with children playing. And, and I understand that I'm not one who, oh, we can't. we can't. It's a pagan holiday. You know, some people get on the, that little tip. But it's, it's, it's symbolic, not the eggs or the bunny. <laughs> it's symbolic of what Jesus did. You know, as Christians, we don't look at this holiday the same way as the world. We celebrate the risen Christ. He's no longer dead. You know, one, he died to sin once so that we can live unto God forever. Amen? And this is the greatest change. Um, our lives don't begin until we embrace the cross. You know, we, we don't begin to live until we embrace the cross. Andre Crouch wrote a song years ago, said, you ain't living until you met the master. Until you had a personal relationship with him. He did use the word ain't. (laughs) Um, The cross speaks of a bloody offering. An offering that could not be given by anybody, but only a sinless life. Um, Christianity is a bloody religion, right? As you read the scriptures from Genesis, um, God instituted the sacrifice in Genesis by killing some kind of creature and covering Adam and Eve when they fell. And so um, our God um, is only satisfied with blood when it comes to forgiveness of sin. And in the Old Testament, the the sacrificial system was was put in place so that sins could be covered and God's people could have communion with him. But those things were symbolic of Jesus' blood, the blood that Jesus was to sacrifice And And the song that we sung is so powerful. The power of the cross is not in the cross itself. Um, Certain religions uh, or perhaps um, Catholicism, they put emphasis on the cross itself. But the cross is nothing but a symbol that doesn't have power unless it's the blood of Jesus. And often throughout the New Testament, you'll see the cross of Christ, not just any cross, you do understand that. I know people get excited about it, and they tat up their bodies with crosses. That doesn't move God <laughs> just because you have a cross on your body or on your neck. What moves God is your faith in Christ, the crucified Christ, and that is what the power lies. Um, An offering that can only be offered by a sinless life. The cross isn't powerful enough to save anyone. Let me repeat that. The cross isn't powerful enough to save anyone unless it was the sinless lamb of God. So Christ's life gave his death meaning. Amen. Amen. Y'all quiet in this church this morning. It is his blood that cleanses. Amen. Do Do you believe that? It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses. It is his mercy that we're saved. This is where the great exchange took place between us and God. The gospel is the solution to our sin problem. I mean, we have a sin problem. You know, you you just live a little bit. Um, Just have a couple kids. You'll see sin manifest itself. You know, Destin is three years old. Sin has manifested itself since he was a baby. He came out sinning. (laughs) <laughs> you know, ah, 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 you know? And, and, and our nature, that's our nature. We are sinful creatures. So even children need to be saved. You know, um, you know th- there, is, um, there is in the scripture we have the support if a, a kid dies. You may ask, what if somebody aborts a kid or a kid dies before has knowledge of Christ, what happens to him? According to the Old Testament, David said his son or his child that had died, that I will go to be with him. In other words, children do die and go to be, go be with the Lord, you know, because they don't have the knowledge of good and evil at this time. So if you have lost a, a baby, through, whether through abortion or through um, miscarriage or through death, premature death, know that if you're saved, you will see that baby again. Amen. That's enough to, to give you some fuel behind your life to say, hey, I'm going to live for God. I want to see my kid. <laughs> you know, that's not the ultimate goal, but that is a, a benefit. Amen. Uh, again, the gospel is the solution f- um, to our sin problem. So for the entire month of April, we do something religiously. Um, every April is we focus on the cross, not that we don't preach the cross every week, but we focus. We take these four, four or five weeks, depending on the year, uh, of, of the cross of Christ, and we look at it, and we study it, and we digest it so that we can live it out. Um, so please um, use this time to, to pray for the church to understand the message of the cross better. We want to grow in our understanding of the cross of Christ, for it is the foundation of our relationship with Christ. So let's look at some key texts before we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Some key texts dealing with the cross. Go with me in your Bibles. If you, who needs a Bible? We have some free Bibles for you all. Just raise your hand. Okay. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. That's the first book in the Bible. And we got to say amen. amen. Genesis chapter 2. Actually, it's chapter 3 verse 15. Chapter 3 verse 15. It says, I will, this is the Lord speaking concerning Christ. I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking to the serpent, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first prophetic um, scripture as it relates to the coming of the Messiah. The seed of the woman shall bruise and bruise the head of the serpent and we know from revelation that satan is referred to as the serpent. And so we see that Jesus was going to and which he did crush the head of satan, paralyze his power over all those who was to believe in him. If you're saved today, satan's power is broken or even destroyed over your life. Sin is broken over your life. So if you're struggling with sin, just remind sin you don't have any say over my life. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Glory to God. It's good to be with y'all on a, the Resurrection Sunday. Amen. God is good. Another year we, we celebrate as as. The world recognized, and even the Christian church recognizes the resurrection of Christ. It says, for the word, verse 18, for the word of the cross, notice it says the word of the cross, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So it's not the cross itself. That is foolish. It's not even preaching. I've heard all my life. I grew up in church. Heard the preaching is foolish. But it's the message of the cross that is foolish to the unbeliever. All right? It doesn't make sense for God, the creator, to come down in the form of a baby, be born of a virgin, and to live a sinless life, then turn around and die. And was and raised be raised from the dead three days later, go up to heaven, and come back riding on a white horse. It seems like a fairy tale. That's foolish to those who are believe, who, who are who are unbelievers. But it is salvation for us who believe. Uh, it is we are being saved. Are you do you understand that we are being saved by His power divine? Let's go to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter two. 1 Corinthians chapter two, just one chapter over verse one. It says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony, did not not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except for Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weaknesses, in weakness, and in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my message was not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of. Of God. So what is the power of God according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18? The power of God is the message of the cross. Romans 1, verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The power of God is not signs and wonders, but it is the message of the cross. And so here, Paul says, I, I made it a point not to know anything among you except for Christ and him crucified. Um, As you read the New Testament, you see that Paul is constantly preaching the message of the cross. Why do we have another message? We are preaching what I call the breakthrough messages about God is going to get you through and God is going to bless you. God is going to empower you to do your job better. God is going to give you a better marriage. But the cross doesn't guarantee us that we'll have a better marriage. The cross empowers us to go through trials and tribulation in the marriage. Amen. How many know that relationship is work? Whether it's with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents or with friends, you have to, relationships are messy. And it takes work learning how to communicate. Most of us don't know how to communicate, right? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah. And so we so it's not the cross doesn't guarantee that we'll have a, um, a, a, a life, a marriage free from failure, a unsuccess. The, the cross doesn't guarantee that we won't struggle financially. Everybody got quiet in this prosperous church. <laughs> uh, the cross doesn't guarantee that you're going to get healed. Healing is provided for us, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get healed. The cross is about God reconciling us with himself, through Christ. So there are a lot of messages being preached in the name of the Lord. And it's, a, it's the self-help message of, 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 of kind of mentality. You know, um, you speak a thing and the earth will obey it. Beware of those type of messages. That is not what Jesus came to preach. Um, the the biggest breakthrough of all times was that Christ broke down the walls between God and us. Oh, man, that's, that's the breakthrough message that we should be preaching. That's what, is, that's what we, are, we need to understand. We need to understand that we are away from God because of sin. And he came to reconcile us with himself. Every message should point us to the cross. From David and Goliath. They're not just stories so that we can have a little hope to face our giants in, in, our, in our times. You do understand that. Um, there are people who are not safe fighting giants. Come on. <laughs> uh, there are people in other countries that says, you know what? I'm going to make a better life for myself. I'm not saying there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with us being prosperous and, 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 and striving for the best, having professional development and going after what we desire. There's nothing wrong with those things. What I'm saying to you, the message of the Bible, is, it, has nothing, it doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with our hearts and our sin issues. And from that, we should live our lives. Um, um, from Esther and Ruth to the book of Revelation, it all points to the cross. This is the message of Christianity. Did you hear me? The message of Christianity is the cross, the message of the cross. I think it will help us and help our faith if we study the cross a little bit more. I don't think we understand it. Um, I I think that we we, we automatically say that we. okay. I believe that I, I agree with that. We have mentally agreed with it, but we haven't allowed it to affect our lives. You know, it, 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 I want to challenge us to step up to say, you know what? I need to understand the foundation. I don't understand the foundation of the cross, of the Christianity. Go with me to Galatians chapter 2. I had one pastor tell me, I'm sitting down with him, and in and, and my nice way, I suggested, said, we, we need to preach the cross every Sunday. And he looked at me, Am I supposed to preach salvation every Sunday? Absolutely. How are people going to get saved? Well, well, there are principles, and I hope he's listening to this, and there are principles of the kingdom that we need to emphasize. Okay. But you still need to bring it back to the cross. Hmm. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this. You should know this scripture. (laughs) I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Okay, so here Paul is writing this, writing to this church, telling them to get back on the cross. Don't look at embracing your righteousness through obeying the laws of God, but instead of what Christ obeyed, and that in in Christ that you are righteous. Okay, so Paul is helping the Christians to understand their identity is with the cross of Christ. Christ died in our place. We just got finished singing it, right? In my place, He stood condemned. Um, your identity is not in who you are or your parents, but in what Christ did. So he says, I am crucified with Christ. Christ died in our place. He did not die for himself. Uh, let, let that sink in a little bit. Christ did not die for himself. I, I know that's simple, right? And I'm like, yo, this is deep. He didn't die for himself, but he died in my place, in your place. He died for us. So we, we need to renew our minds to the fact that in our place, he stood condemned. He was condemned in our place. So our identity is not in what we do or what we have, but our identity is in Christ, Right? He took our place, so we identify with that crucifixion as being us. Now, Jesus did not die as us. There is a teaching that says that Jesus died as us. Don't ever believe that lie. He died for us. Because if he died as us, he's still in trouble. We're still in trouble. Um, the, 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 the The teaching goes something like this: that he died. As a homosexual. He died as the drug dealer. He dropped and he goes as a prostitute. No, if he died as those things, we are in trouble. But he died as the divine son of God. Sinless. He was not a lamb that was spotted, but without spots and blemish. Go with me to Galatians chapter six, verse 14. Galatians chapter six, verse 14 says this. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So here he says, make your boast in the cross of Christ. There should be no boasting but in the cross of Christ. Notice it's the cross of Christ, not the cross itself, but it's the cross of Christ. Um, so that's where our boast should be. Um, and Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. When you got it, say amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. Talking about Jesus. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even a death on a cross. So Jesus died the worst kind of death of his day. This was his mission in life. His mission was to exchange his life for ours. Glory to God. Two more scriptures before we get to our main text. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. Start with verse 19. For in Christ, or in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So Christ made peace through his cross. Why peace? We need peace with God. We need peace with God. Uh, That's the greatest peace. Um, There's no peace without peace with God. All right. One last scripture, Colossians chapter two, verse 13. Colossians chapter two, verse 13, it says this. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. So God made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven us of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. It's legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So here, Jesus canceled the record of debt that we had. We were so much in debt because of our sins. With God, Jesus nailed our debt, paid for our debt that we could not pay so that we can be forgiven. Jesus paid the greatest debt of all times with his life and his sinless life. In his death. And God approved of, of his payment by raising him from the dead. It is because, the, it's because God demanded for the forgiveness and our, the salvation of the Lord to be given to us in order for us to be saved. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. That was my intro. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 11 through 21. The great exchange. So how does that make us feel? Understanding we talked about the ugliness of sin and how this thing is really real and really bad and it's really offensive to God and, and how God has to punish sin and how it was in our place that Jesus died for our sins. Let's think about that. He died for our sins. So before you could really embrace this gospel, you have to understand that you are a sinner, right? <laughs> that you really did sin, and we do, we do sin on a regular basis. Um, all right, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eleven through twenty-one. I've never met a person who wasn't broken by sin. I've never met a person. You know, people talking about, oh, I'm just broken, and some people want to magnify their brokenness above others. We all broken. We all messed up. We all come from dysfunctional family because of Adam and Eve. We're, dis, we're messed up. But thanks be to God, we're, into a new, we're in a new family. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Here we go. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we, are known, what, is, what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. So here, Paul is saying that he understands that the fear of the Lord Um, it's by the fear of the Lord that he persuades, he persuade others. How many know that we need to grow in the fear of the Lord? We don't fear God enough. And mom, Jackie's about to, in a few weeks is going to preach on the fear of the Lord. We need to grow and develop a, um, in the fear of the Lord. We don't fear God enough. We don't fear God. Let's, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, we don't fear God enough to the point that we don't, we won't lie. Some Christians are lying Christians. They are lying a minute. Um, we don't fear God enough to come to church every time the doors are open. <clears throat> Everybody get quiet. <laughs> we don't fear the Lord enough when we don't pay our tithes and our offerings. We don't fear the Lord enough to serve each other. If we fear the Lord, we will do our jobs. I'm talking about Monday through Friday or Saturday or Saturday, whatever, however you work, whenever you work, unto the Lord. <laughs> I can go on and on, right? Fearing the Lord needs to impact every area of our lives. Well, I fear God that I won't cheat you. I won't lie on my income tax. Talking about a kid who's 80 years old down in Texas. (laughs) I'm still claiming him. (laughs) I'm still claiming him. Come on. Um, We, what we are is known to God. How many know that God knows us? He knows the depths of our hearts. He knows our, our innermost thoughts. <laughs> That's scary, right? <laughs> he knows us better than we know ourselves. And God knew Paul and his ministry team. And Paul was praying that, they, that their conscience, the conscience of the people that he was serving, that they knew who they were as well. Let's continue. It says... Verse 12, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about our outward appearance and about, not about what is in our heart. So Paul, here Paul, he was not um, the preachers of Corinth during that time. He wasn't part of that crew. Um, like we have the preachers of L.A., the preachers of Detroit, um, um, the preachers of Piscataway. Um, so, so, he was not part of that crew. You, you do understand that. He, was, he, was not, he didn't have the best attire. Okay? So, at one point, thank you, at one point, he was, he, he was broke. Here's the Apostle Paul. I mean, that kind of goes against our theology of prosperity. Paul was broke, busted, and disgusted. To the point where these false apostles were saying, these are not real men of God. If they were real men of God, they would walk in the blessings, drive the best, live in the best. And Paul had the opposite. Jesus was poor. Um, He didn't have a place to lay his head. That's what he said. And so, and the Bible says he became poor for us. And we'll talk about this in a minute. And so here, Paul is saying that they're judging us based on our appearance, not what's in the heart. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. So here Paul is saying, I'm I'm, I'm putting priorities on the Lord and the reason for his ministry. It is a heart ministry. It is about God and his glory. It doesn't allow my emotions to get the best of me or my zeal. He's communicating the love of God to people he's, he's telling them you know what I'm going to make sure that I'm in my right mind when I'm serving you verse 14 it says for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died here again Paul is telling us that he's saying that his identity is in the love of God that the love of God is the love of Christ is controlling him King James says it's constraining him How many will say that the love of Christ is controlling your life? Is the love of Christ controlling all that you do? And Paul is putting an emphasis on that. And then he turns around and he says, One has died for all, therefore all have died. Our identity is in Christ. Christ's death was our death. Say, Christ's death Christ's death was my death. Amen. And so Paul is reminding them that their identity is not in their lives or in what they have or who they are outside of Christ, but it's in who they are in Christ. That's their identity. Uh, Christ died for us so that we could live for him. Let's go to verse 15. And he died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So Jesus died so that we can be forgiven our sins and so we can live for God. Did you see that? We're called to live for not ourselves. It's not about your dreams and your goals and your vision. It's about how your vision is in light of the cross. Amen. How does your vision magnify that cross? How does your plan for debt freedom magnify the cross? How does your your plan for to have a fruitful family in light of the cross? So Christ died so that we can live for him. He not only died for us, but he was raised for us. His resurrection is God's approval of his life and his death. He died for us, not as us again. But he died as he died as the son of God so that his death would be accepted by the father, by father God. So Jesus died in our place so that his death was pleased by God, was received by God. And so God raised him from the dead. Let's go to verse 16 and 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regarded him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right, let's stop there. So here, Paul is reminding them once again that our identity is not according to the flesh. I don't identify you according to your flesh, according to your status in this life, but I identify you as my brothers and my sisters because of you, because Christ died for you. He he exchanged his life for our death. He exchanged our earthly identity for his. We, okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hold your places in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to come back. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. When you got to say amen. Here we go. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. I mean, no, that's true. We're not wise according to the world. Uh, We're foolish, right? Because we believe in the Christ. It goes on. He says, not many were powerful. How many are powerful in this world? You know, you think about um, Bill Gates. He's a powerful man. Some of the celebrities are powerful. They have influence. He says, not many of us were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Who was at your birth, besides your mama and your daddy, and your grandmom and grandparents? Who was at your birth? Did did the celebrity of that day come to your birth? (laughs) Did the President of the United States say, oh, I've got to be at that birth? (laughs) He says, nah, nah, not many were of noble birth. But guess what? But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. So he chose us who were weak, (laughs) poor, right? Foolish in the eyes of the world. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, talking about Jesus, because of him, excuse me, Because talking about the Father, because of the Father, because of him, you are in Christ. So the reason why you and I are in Christ is because of who? The Father, right? He chose us in Christ. Who became to us wisdom from from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts, let let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we're to boast in the Lord because it is the Lord. So our salvation is not of our own doing, right? Come on, help me out. Salvation is not because we were born of a noble birth. It's not because we were wise in the world. It's not because we were strong or powerful. It's because... That God chose us despite us. All right, go back to 2 Corinthians. Don't, don't quit on me. We're almost there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So, it, it, so Paul was saying that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. What does that mean? How is it that I'm in Christ? Um, if you had messed up hair before Christ, guess what? You still got messed up hair, right? So so that doesn't change. It's not your our appearance that changes. Not yet. It will one day. But it's what God did on the inside. He made a great exchange. He changed our heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. He quickened us, made us alive. We were once dead. Now we're alive. He exchanged our death. He gave us his life for our death. And so here... He says, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. We are new creatures in Christ. One translation says, we are something that never existed before. We are new species. We, We are something that God is making in Christ a new humanity. Let me say that again. Do you know that God is creating a new humanity because the old humanity failed him? And so now he's making a new race of people. You don't believe me. Um, Peter says this. He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Not the nation of Islam, but a nation that is born of God, that has been stamped with his spirit. We're going to a new heaven and a new earth. This thing is not over. He exchanged our old life for a new way of living. He gave us a new way of living, a new way of thinking, kingdom living, living in light of the kingdom of God, having the kingdom of God influence every area of your life, including your money, including the way you look at sex, including the way that you do your education. God has given us a new way of life. We are part of a new humanity. Amen. God is making a new group of people for his glory. And we're going to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth. Our hearts yearn for that change. It goes on and says, we have new life. We have a new identity in Christ. We don't now no longer. We, our identity is not in the old Adam, but in the new Adam. Amen. We identify with him. He died for us. So I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I live not. But it's not really I who's, who's living but it's the Christ who's living inside of me. It is Christ that I'm living because of the Son of God, my faith in the Son of God. Everything that I do is governed by the faith in Jesus. Okay, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, here we go. Um, it says that we... I think I missed the scripture. No, did I? No. It says that the same, the same passage says we walk by faith and not by sight. Let's jump up, jump up to verse 6 seven, Verse six and 7. It says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. Jump, go back to 17. So this walking by faith and not by sight is not, I'm going to walk by faith today. I'm gonna believe God for some things. That's not the faith that He's talking about. He's talking about allowing your faith in Jesus to govern your life. The just shall live by faith. How are we to live? We're not to. We're not to just. It's not talking about just speaking to the mountains and causing things to come to pass. That's not. That's a dimension of faith, but that's not. All of faith. You do realize that. Right. So when we say we walk by faith and not by sight, we're talking about we're allowing the faith in Jesus to govern everything that we do in life. Every decision that I make is in light of my faith. I choose my job in light of my faith. Are you with me? I'm not going to choose to be a pimp because my faith won't allow me to be. Are you with me? I, I choose to be an honest salesperson in light of my faith. Come on, help me out. Yes, so, so so that's what it's talking about. We walk by this faith that is in the Son of God, and not just by this world. We don't allow the kingdom of darkness to tell us how we are to believe things. Amen. Verse eighteen. Let's go to verse eighteen. So we are a new creation. In Christ Jesus, old things are passed away. So what are the old things? Old way of living, old habits, all those things are passed away. All things are new, new. He makes all things new, right? He he gave me a new heart. He's working on giving me a new mind, and I'm going to have a new body one day. Glory to God. (laughs) You're talking about the perfect fitness. I mean, the six-pack, whatever. I'm going to have a new body. So if I don't get it now, I'm going to get it in the life to come. Are you with me? But Miss Courtney won't allow me not to have it now. So, <laughs> um, but, but you get the picture. New life. The pains that I have, I won't have no more. Amen. We can't deny I don't have pain. I, I'll never have pain in my life. You're a liar. You're a lie. Because the Bible says he'll take away all our pains. So you're gonna have some pain on this world, in this world, right? You're gonna yearn, and, and when people die, you're gonna cry for them, and you're gonna to want to be with them. And when things don't go right, it's all right. We're all in a fallen world. When you don't make your bills on time, it's okay. You're in a fallen world. I mean, you strive to make your bills, pay your bills on the year, me right? <laughs> uh, you, you strive to protect your credit scores, even if your credit score is not 800 a, a plus. You know, it's okay. It, that's not the po- focus of your faith. You do what you need to do, right? You, you work because you don't work, you don't eat. Bible says, Don't feed a person who's not working because you're harming them. You're doing, you're disabling them to stay in their sin of laziness. Amen. Okay, verse 18. All all this is from God. What is from God? It's not telling us everything in the world is from God. It's saying my new creation, the fact that I'm new is from God. You see that, right? Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So here it says this is from God. What is from God? My, my, My new heart is from God. My renewed mind is from God. My new way of walking is from God. Are you with me? My new way of talking. I don't talk like sinners anymore. Right? No, cussing Christians. <laughs> uh, be careful about cussing. You're not to use profanity. I don't care how mad you get. Close your mouth and says, no, I'm going to speak words of life. Husbands, not to speak harsh words towards your wives. That's what Peter says. If you do, guess what's, happen- what's going to happen? He's going to hinder your prayers. God will stop your prayers if you speak harsh words towards your wife. So every time I speak harsh words towards my wife, I know I can't pray. Pfft, forget it. I apologize. Forgive me. Now, Lord, we're on one accord, right? If your marriage is not right, then your relationship with God isn't right. Oh, man, that affects us more than we think we know. we got to be on one accord. You know, it, we, we have to fight for our marriages we got to fight for our kids and our grandkids. we got to fight for, for our faith, contending for the faith. The devil wants our faith. He wants to destroy our lives. Well, we got to fight for it. I'm not going anywhere. Death do us part. That's serious. That's a commitment. That's a vow made before God. Why am I talking about this? I don't even know. It's not even in my notes. But we got to fight for our marriages. For those who are about to get married, fight for, for your marriage. Go into, so this is, divorce is not even in our vocabulary. That's a cuss word. This is, this is for life. This life. Now, in eternity, you're not going to be married, you know. <laughs> so you got to get your groove on now. Because <laughs> in heaven, there ain't going to be no. Right, praise God. Um, verse, everybody got offended. Come on, come on. Um, Bible talks about sex. It talks about sex, too. Verse 19. Oh, 18 talks about we have a ministry of reconciliation, how God through Christ reconciled us to himself. It was God working in Christ to bring us to himself. God was working in Jesus to bring us to himself. The the mission of Jesus was to bring us to God, the father. Are you with me? That he was after that relationship. I want to restore that relationship. I want to restore that fellowship that God had with man. I want that. And that's what Christianity is about. Prayer is about communion with God. Coming to church, being a part of a family, a local assembly, is part of communion with God. Reading my Bible is part of communion with God. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. It was God working in Christ to bring us to himself. The purpose of our forgiveness is so that we can have God himself. The purpose of our forgiveness is so that we can have God himself. He turned around... And gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So everybody is a minister. Everybody got a ministry. What does this ministry entail? It entails us sharing about the ugliness of sin. Tell people how sin, how ugly their sins are. You offend them real quick. You can't tell me how to live. Uh, I'm not telling you, God is, I'm his mouthpiece. I have this ministry. It is my duty as a Christian. Listen to me. It is your duty as a Christian to tell people about their sins. What does that mean? That doesn't mean, oh, you're sinning, you're sinning. No, it means that, listen, the way God sees things, you have fallen short of God's glory. And God calls you to repent and be reconciled with God the Father. We're to not only tell them about the ugliness of sin, but the beauty of the Christ. What Christ died for. But first got to know it yourself. Major on the cross, beloved. Make the cross the focus of your life. And life begins at the cross of Christ. Life begins at the cross of Christ. The ministry of reconciliation. Verse five, chapter 5, verse 19. It says, that. Is in Christ Jesus, or in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God, He exchanged our sins for His forgiveness. He exchanged our message, our message for His message. He turned our mess into a ministry. That's what Jesus did for us. I don't have a ministry. You do have a ministry. You know, God is going to judge you based on what you have done with this ministry of reconciliation. People major on racial reconciliation. I have some kind of feelings about that. I'm not going to share it right now. I'll do it another time, another sermon, another year. (laughs) But I'm saying to you that our main ministry is ministry of reconciliation. How God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Well, I don't, I don't know what my purpose is. If you do this ministry, your life, your purpose, your passion will be defined. Um, it isn't your personal testimony that saves people. It's the testimony of Jesus. <laughs> I, I, and tell your testimony. But it is what Jesus has done that saves people. It's not... I never would have made it. No, 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 no. It's not you not making it. It's what Jesus made it. What he, he is the way. Are you with me? I love that song, by the way. Don't, I'm not hating on that song. I'm saying that that's not the focus. That's not my, my testimony of me sharing what God has done for me. You need to share those things. But the main message is not your story. It's his story. In your story, you tell how his story is magnified. And that's why your testimony becomes powerful. Because when you get his story in your story, then you can tell your story in light of his story and how everybody got the same testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see this Jesus died for our sins. That's the testimony. Amen. And the Bible says in Revelation, they overcome by the blood of the lamb in the word of their testimony. And what's the testimony? They testify what the blood has done. When you testify what the blood has done, you overcome. It's not your testimony. I want to thank the Lord last night. The Lord delivered me for such and such. Good. Okay. Now tell me about Jesus. Magnify Jesus in your story. Amen. Glory to God. Verse um, 19, 20. Verse 20 says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So God made us his ambassadors. We represent God on earth. Amen. We, we are his mouthpiece. We are his body. We are his arms. You, when you love somebody, love them in the name of the Lord. Hug them in the name of the Lord. You are being an extension of his arm. You are his body. God uses his body to reach, his, reach the lost people of the world. We are representatives of his. We represent him. And Christ represents us. Represented us at the cross. He died for us. He is our substitution. We are to be reconciled to God. Are you connected with God this morning? Are you do you have a vibrant fellowship with the father? Can you talk to him? He talks to you. Are, are you at peace with God this morning? If you aren't, we would love to sit down with you before the end of the ser- by the end of the service, at the end of the service and talk with you and how life can begin at the cross of Christ. Amen. Amen. This is where life begins. Life in Christ is about you having a re- real authentic, authentic relationship and fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Are you connected with him? That's why Jesus came. And he says, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled after you go home and you have your Easter dinner. Amen. Spend some time with God as a family. Pray together. Read the Bible together. Cry together. Learn what it means to be a family in Christ. And last scripture is this. Verse 21. For our sake, not his, for our sake, he, God the Father made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin for us. Christ became that ugliness of sin that we talked about last week. He became the very thing sep- that separates us from God. This is the great exchange. Christ became sin so that we may become righteous. We are righteous in his sight. That means that my righteousness is not based on what I do, but it's based on what he did. My performance does not drive the love of God. Jesus' performance drives the love of God. And as a result of his love for me, I live in gratitude of a holy life. Christ became poor that we may become rich. Rich in how? How? Rich in faith. Rich in mercy. Having mercy in our lives. Like I said last week, you can be rich without Christ. So financial, that, that's, that's a light thing as it relates to eternity. And over the scriptures, as you read the scripture, you'll see how hard it is for a rich person to get into heaven. Why? Because it's the riches that actually chokes the word of God. It's it's, it's the deceitfulness of riches, Mark 4 says, that chokes the word of God out of our lives. Does that mean that you're not to want to do well? You should want to do well. Please do well for the sake of God and his glory. But don't let that be the focus of life. Christ was forsaken so that we could be accepted. God, the father, turned his back on God, the son. Father, father, why have thou forsaken me? Christ was forsaken so that we can be accepted. Christ came into darkness so that we can be in the light. Christ bore our sickness so that we can be healed. Christ came to earth so we can go to heaven. Christ exchanged his sinless life for our sinful life. This is the great exchange. There's so much more to the cross of Christ than we we have yet to, to tap into. We've only touched the surface. Beloved, let us pursue the cross. There is no kingdom living without the cross of Christ. Jesus came to die to satisfy the wrath of God, to please his Father, to reconcile us. How do you live in light of that? You live understanding that is what Jesus did for you and the effects of the implications of that in our lives. Everything that I do in life is based on that cross. It should be based on that cross. It was all about a man and a cross 2,000 years ago. It was all about that one event, and we need to live in light of that. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to live our lives in light of the cross, the great exchange. Christ became sin so that we may become righteous. He was forsaken that we may be accepted. He was crushed so we could be loved. Lord, we thank you for what Jesus has done for us. I pray that you would help us to study the cross like never before. It's not based on our performance or keeping rules and regulations, but it's based on what Jesus has done for us. Father, we can approach you now. I thank you, Father. We thank you for even the gifts of the Spirit are the result of the cross. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us. Jesus died so that we can have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We thank you. Lift up your hands, people of God. With your mouth, worship God. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Father.